Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. It's the What If Podcast. My name is Ryan Copperood. How the hell are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, What's man. your name uh, for my those that don't know you? My name's Spencer. Hi, Spencer. What's happening? We have a friend in the room. Hey, guys. Uh, we get to call you a recurring guest now. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Unless but we no put this one out before the, the other one. Episode, <laughs> or, so. That's true. That's true. Or, I guess this one's coming out second. Or if we decide the other one's just garbage after we do this one. <sighs> or vice versa. Maybe this will never see the light of day. But if that's it does, true. tell people who you are. Uh, my name is Max. I'm the... What what was my title last time? You you got a title last time? Well, he, I gave myself a title. Oh, even better. And Max hit me up afterwards, and he said he wants to be uh, the oh beanbag philosopher. No, I was yeah 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 got it got it yeah yeah that's, that's right recurring right. 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 beanbag philosopher. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. That's a good episode for it. We went from armchairs <laughs> to beanbags to potentially floor, I think. We're getting we out got, there. We're getting out there. Yeah, we're, we're we go. only talk about out there stuff with me, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's we, kind of the podcast. That's just what you do. <laughs> that's, that's the idea. Yeah. We, okay. pre, we go pretty far. Well, you should release the podcast so I can listen to some like, of them. Hey, it's... Uh, working on it. <laughs> working on it, baby. It's it's incoming. Um, well, we're going to go the opposite, uh, opposite of the floor, and we're going to go way up into space on the What If podcast today. We're going to talk about what if we communicated with extraterrestrials. I really need to rewatch it. It's Dude, it's for real been over. What are you decade. doing an hour from now? <laughs> Spencer, I just rented it on YouTube only to pull that audio that, from it. So we might as well watch ET when we're done. That does, two second clip. Yeah. Does every episode start with you telling Ryan he needs to watch a movie? <laughs> that, well, if Ryan would ever watch a fucking movie, then maybe I wouldn't have to. That's a good point. I don't you, watch we're, a lot we're of doing, movies, man. We're doing an episode about extraterrestrial life. You haven't seen E.T. I have seen E.T. I just haven't seen it in like over a decade. Okay. Have you, you, have you, you haven't e. recently, recently? You haven't recently cried at the part of E.T. where they take him away. Mm. You haven't no, but seen, I vividly remember crying real hard when it happened. You haven't seen Arrival. I have not seen Arrival yet. It from, Did, Okay, hold on, hold on. Because it's kind of on the same theme. Have you watched... Uh, don't be the total, dude Have you watched berates. Total Recall yeah. yet? Have you watched Total Recall? And like, no. You promised you are going no. to. No. Doug, okay. I gave you a month <laughs> to watch Total Recall and you didn't do it. Hey, I didn't promise I was going to watch it. I just said I'd never seen it. It wasn't, I didn't like make a commitment to seeing it. Disappointed. All right. Uh, be disappointed. But fair, but fair. don't but don't be disappointed in aliens because fucking, we talk, oh, we've talked about aliens like here and there on the podcast, not like thoroughly. Um, but today we're going to talk about aliens, not from the perspective of like, like what if they came down? What if they showed up in your house? We've talked a little bit about what if they show up in your house. Um, but we're going to talk about aliens related to like talking to them or I guess more specifically the ways that we think we should and the way that we have communicated with aliens and the way that we uh, are being prescribed to communicate with aliens by people who are apparently versed in the subject of what that should look like which is weird which, as a concept in general yeah because n- no one is except maybe the people who have been abducted by him right that's like the closest you could get to be being versed in right but like the like the un like the un has a body like well they agreed on like whatever it is the outer space treaty yeah and there's like some language in that about like what what we as a planet agree upon. If I just think it's really fun, really funny to like try and make any sort of plans about something that you literally have no idea what it would be, or if you would even like recognize it or know that it's here or right. 
Well, so here's a question to start, actually, for both of you. Like, is it asinine to even, like, the fact that there have been preparations and attempts, is it asinine to even, like, have those conversations based on the fact that we literally have no evidence of this being real at well, all? E- even though we're about to talk talk about it for an hour, <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, hopefully, or what are we doing here? Um, no, but I mean, I mean, like the fact that the UN is like having these regular conversations about, like, you I know, mean, at a at a minimum, it's probably like a critical thinking puzzle that you know uh, addresses some some other things. That's fair. As well. Yeah, as like a, a thought experiment, it's interesting. I, trying to come up with any sort of actual policy, I think, is pretty pointless because you don't know I think everybody has some vision of what an alien would be but we have no idea because we've never for sure encountered one right I mean, nor would we necessarily know if we did we're very confined to our perception of what like a sentient being is you know it's, based on what can happen here and then yeah. a little bit of our imagination and yeah. It's usually just like a slight variation on a human, honestly. For sure. For sure. Which is kind of silly. Yeah, there's no reason to believe that that's what life And like we don't even really have a, a good definition of life. True. Like the whole concept of Gaia, like the the planet itself could be alive. Right. And fits a lot of the criteria for life. Uh you know, we didn't at one point think that bacteria was alive and then that perspective changed like right. There's no, we couldn't for most of human history, like even see bacteria. We did, there was something alive on and in us that we didn't recognize as being alive. Right. Like what's to say something from another planet would look like some version of human beings. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, how do you invent antibiotics if you don't know that bacteria is a real thing? Like you can't, you can't, you can't prevent or prohibit something if you don't actually understand what that thing is or is capable of, which I think too, like the ET clip, like is represented by all of our media. Like, our Hollywood has everything from, like, Independence Day to E.T., which is, like, friendly buddy who drinks beer in your kitchen and goes bike riding with you, or, like, we're going to murder every single last living being here. Well, like, our and, imagination runs that whole gamut because we don't have any actual... And it's just, it's funny to try and come up with policy when it's like, well, what if what if they don't have ears? What if they literally can't take in you? the any of the, like wavelengths of light or sound that we do and we just forget language or thought or anything we just literally have no way to communicate with them yeah or or you can go space odyssey on it and it's like uh it, it's like not a living thing anymore it's like, it's a, like universal a force consciousness yeah, thing. exactly yeah. um you know something imperceptible or right. we're the like we're the bacteria on the planet <laughs> that is the atom in the universe of the body of god like the scene in Men in Black where the cat has the planet on yeah, its... Yeah, Ryan's belt. Uh, on a, yeah, Ryan's yeah. belt on its, uh, yep. on its collar. Mm-hmm. That's us, y'all. I feel like this isn't what we had on our outline. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I think it's good setup because it's all good to think about as we go through what, what it is, what we still want to go through, which is like, regardless of everything we've just said, there are bodies of people who are like, even though, even though we're like, we don't really know what would happen, there are some people who are like, well, if it does happen, we should probably like have at least had a single thought about this. Or like maybe yeah. talk to each other about like, like who knows? What if we get a, what if one day one of the satellite arrays that are, I mean, there's many of them like all across the world. Like what if one day one gets like a, a da did da da did da beat and all of a sudden the, we're like, oh shit. The wow signal. The wow signal? What's the wow signal? What? What's God the wow signal? Damn it, Ryan. <clears throat> 
did no homework for this episode, bro. You didn't watch Arrival. Hey, Spencer, for people who don't know what the wow signal is, what's the wow signal? Donnie, you're out of your element. Uh, <laughs> the wow signal was recorded by SETI in <coughs> 70s, 1970s. Um, it was a much louder than normal signal that repeated, and it's called the wow signal because the guy who recorded it circled it and in the margins of the printout wrote wow next to it. <laughs> and I wow. think it turned out to be it's like a microwave inside the the building or something. It was definitely not aliens. Wow. 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 Um anyway. Well they did a bad job then. SETI of, of detecting aliens. You just described SETI. <laughs> SETI, for those that don't know, is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They're located in... California somewhere. California somewhere. In the movie Contact. Have you seen oh, Contact? Yeah, I have seen Contact. Okay, cool. You're that's allowed another, to keep talking on this podcast. That's another one I need to rewatch, though, because I remember loving it and not having seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking, I guess, then, uh, as a segue of, of groups uh, that are trying to figure out the communication thing... Um, in prep for this, I did prep, even if it's not enough for Spencer. You're just supposed to watch <laughs> sci-fi movies and then talk shit. I <laughs> think that's shit. what this podcast is. <laughs> Again, this is the amount of scientific research we do sometimes. Um, I've, I stumbled across an interesting paper, um, which was put out uh, by a couple of researchers at Penn State University. And um, it was put out in partnership with NASA's Planetary Science Division. It came out in 2011. It, never mind. And this paper was called, Would Contact with Extraterrestrials Benefit or Harm Humanity? A Scenario Analysis. And I don't know who or why this was exactly prompted, but essentially what they were doing was, if SETI catches a signal, or if one day the skies open up and there's a fucking spaceship and like they drop down, well, how could that look for us? And what do we as like a body of researchers and NASA scientists like sort of prescribe in the name of those three scenarios that they sort of break down. I think it's also, I'm just speculating, but I think it's also <clears throat> probably driven by the fact that there's been some controversy around whether we should be trying to initiate contact with other civilizations by blasting radio waves at them. Yes. Um, and, like, Stephen Hawking has been pretty vocal in in advocating against that, in that, like, that's basically a beacon for other civilizations to be like, Hey, here we are. Look at all the cool stuff we have. Right. Come, like, kill us and take it if you if you want. Which they which they do outline in here actually. Okay. I'll and, shut up and let you describe it. No, then. no, it's okay. And um and also and also too, one of the things that they actually I do remember now they they were saying about like writing this paper is um like the discovery of uh, planets from the Kepler telescopes yep. have increased. Not exponentially, but like pretty significantly ever since like I don't know what it was like two thousand nine or something like that. Until, like, 2016, they've gone up and up and up and up, and, like, we're discovering way more and more and more planets and, and many more that like appear habitab- habitable, habitable, whatever. A fraction of a fraction of a percent of what's probably actually out there. Right. Well, let me let me ask you a question. Yeah, This go ahead. might send us off no, do a it. little bit. Perfect. Let's go. Um, but, uh, you know, in line with the film we were just talking about, I it, w- it made me think, like, okay, would you rather live a full— healthy life and like die when you're 80 let's say or when you're 55 some crazy shit happens and like aliens uh, end up here and it turns into a disaster uh but i don't know 
it's a pretty it's a pretty eventful thing to take place in your life. Option two, all the way. Uh, yeah, as I, say, I already know that's <laughs> Spencer's answer. Like, can that happen tomorrow, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in like the hypotheticals of like, if you could, was live... that hypothetical direct enough? I feel like yeah. it wasn't meandering. Okay, no, okay, no, that okay. was very direct. Would you cut thirty years off your life if it meant that you got to see first contact with aliens? Correct. It, okay. I mean, oh man. I would for am, sure, for I, sure. It'd be I, scary uh, as hell, it, but it'd be you know, it'd be you know, some some answers that you're you're looking for, yeah. some questions that you're asking your whole life answered. I will, I will go on the record again as saying like, if if aliens showed up and wanted to abduct me, I'm I'm voluntarily going with. Yeah, you. for sure. I think I think your goal about doing this whole podcast is just to put that out into the sphere enough that Dude, they this hear shit you. is gonna get well what we really need to do <laughs> and is, like, is clean this up just a little bit so it gets on the radio and gets broadcast <laughs> out into space so that eventually the aliens can hear it and be like, all right, tight. We know and then like They're like, why are we pulling these people kicking and screaming from their just, beds? This dude right. is all about it. We just gotta geotag the studio on every episode <laughs> so that they can come find me. Come get me! <laughs> I'm right here. Oh man, am, am right. I assured death? Uh, I I don't know. That's a good question. <clears throat> are we? Yeah, are we going like Men in Black scenario or not immediately? No. Okay, not immediately, but it probably doesn't turn out well. Let's yeah. Say. Okay. Mm. By Men in Black, I mean that other Alien movie with Will Smith. It, what? I meant Independence Day, and I said Men in Black. Oh, sorry. Carry on. Got it. Oh, got it. Yes, two two Alien movies with Will Smith in them. If I'm not assured death. Like if there's like if there's a fighting chance that I can like participate in this new society, however it forms, I'm interested in that attempt. But if it's like I get to see that aliens show up and they just fucking nuke us all, I'm not really interested in learning that to be turned into like more like feed more like uh, you know I mean? society becomes anarchy because of this and things just deteriorate and. But I they're might, not like I might kill- take the society turns to anarchy without the aliens option <laughs> yeah, if that's on the right. table. I mean, yeah, like I'm not I'm not mad about that possibility in in the light of like that conversation for sure. I don't know. I mean, like you said, like it'd be it'd be fucking terrifying for sure. Well, maybe. Which part? We don't we have no idea what aliens would be could doing be, here. Could be real tight. So, it could be okay. If you had watched Arrival, they were trying to make <laughs> us all so, sorry. So this so this actually is a really good segue back into this paper. All I'm right. not just okay. I'm not just redirecting. But so and I, and I'll try to break this down actually really simply cuz it's like a 48 page paper and I'm obviously not going to go through it's a lot of pages. But but basically uh and and this is going to seem like common sense, but just go with it here because this is like sort of what they're just trying to do is break it down into like some layman's terms of like how could this go for us? And the three ways they put it are beneficial, neutral, or harmful, right? So it could be cool. It could be like meh or it could be like oh fuck, right? Neutral seems super unlikely. <laughs> and they admit – and they, exactly. Life is pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> meh, whatever. The aliens aliens showed up guess. and no one really cared. <laughs> I mean I guess that's what the E.T. scenario is, right? It's like one little guy rides around in a bike basket, and then we all forget about well, it. Well, they definitely cared, man. They definitely cared while he was here. They were they were freaking like out. While four he was kids here. did. Four kids, and then they put this whole house into like all right, whatever. Know. Give us the scenarios. You're right. The, the the neutral one, and they actually kind of explain what they think of is so beneficial. They're talking about um, philosophical implications could be seen as a benefit um, if they were cooperative. You could, if if they were cooperative and there was any level of communication, there could be advancements in science and mathematics. 
um, assistance in like global catastrophe, whether that be like global warming or whatever else. Um, and then also they put, which I think is interesting, they call it uncooperative ET, <laughs> which is like they put it in the beneficial category. But if they were like aliens that were like uncooperative, but we like defeated them, they put that in the benefit category <laughs> for two reasons. I guess Slave I could aliens? see it. <laughs> for two reasons. No, no, like like we like we fight back against uncooperative ET. And it's a triumph of the humankind over an advancement from outside oh. uniting mankind against like what we now understand as the new right, other. Right. Or we all come together to fuck up the aliens. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And or the other benefit they said was with a defeat would come the reverse engineering of any technology that we could see or feel or touch or well, get our hands on. And according to who you ask, that shit already happened. Right, right. Which we can definitely get Shout to. Shout out to Bob Lazar. <laughs> Bob Lazar was building UFOs back in the 70s. I bet Bob Lazar has an equally cool bio photo as that other dude. That Do you know that story? Up. No. God damn, dude. Dude, you read way more alien books than well, anyone I've ever met. Don't play like I'm the dude who doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> to be on a podcast about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, what, what's the neutral scenario? Because that sounds really unlikely. So neutral is we could communicate with them or be aware that they existed, but they would be essentially invisible or like uncontactable. So like snakes? That still sounds pretty positive. <laughs> Just like another animal on Earth now? No, no, no. <laughs> it's more like... um. It's more like in the situation where, like, we received some sort of, like, patterned signal from a faraway place. <laughs> what? No, what? Going. What are you laughing finish, about? Finish that. I got a really funny scenario. It's just like a, like a patterned sound coming from a far-off place that we can't decipher, we can't really respond to because it's so far away from. We, we don't know how to get there. They're not coming to us. Like, they put that in sort of, like, the neutral and different category. It's not like we're gaining anything from it, but it's not like it's harming us. It's just sort of, like, information that E.T. is a thing. I was envisioning it as, like, they were here and we were somehow neutral about it. Like, a gray (laughs) alien sits down next to you at the bar. You try and say something to him. He's like, and you're just like... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. This is a completely natural encounter. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> this guy seems okay. <laughs> I think even if it was the like we received some message that we somehow knew for sure was intelligent and extraterrestrial, but it was a hundred million light years away and we couldn't do anything about it, or that civilization was like no longer there or yeah. whatever. I think philosophically that still changes it's still beneficial. So much. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that that's changes. why you said, right, Max, you were like, I would still put that in the beneficial category. Yeah. I mean, that changes our whole I don't pers- speak for you. perspective I did of, say that. of science. It's recorded. You can go back and listen to it. <laughs> I, meant, <laughs> I meant more like I didn't want to correct, put your correct. spin on it. <laughs> so yeah, I, you're right. I, I guess I wouldn't see that as neutral still. And, like, that's going to that's gonna mess up everybody's religion. I guess, oh, yeah. I, I, I guess in the in the grand scheme of, like, of the of the needle of like does this benefit society or harm society they put that in the neutral as in like what it doesn't we don't necessarily gain anything tangible even though i do think like yes philosophically i think it's really interesting and logistically it's really interesting well and it would depend more on the individual person in terms of how they got it we're just clowning the shit out of this list right now no it's all good Um, and then the other one is obviously harmful, which is either intentional harm or unintentional We're harm. Here to take our job. <laughs> <laughs> take the car jobs. Um, obviously, it's like uh, everything that you can think of in all of the terrifying 
alien movies. Blowing up the White House with lasers. <laughs> Eat us, enslave yeah. us, attack us, blow up the White House with lasers, uh, to, mine us for resources. You ever seen... I'm just going to keep asking you about sci-fi Dude, shit. Is this like a fun. Have You Seen yeah. It podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it the is fun? now. This isn't the What If podcast. This is uh, the Dull Ryan Wyatt. Has, has, Ryan, has Ryan seen it? Uh, Twilight Zone, To Serve Man. I haven't seen that episode. I mean, I've watched you know episodes the, of The Twilight Zone. You know the, okay. The, the whole context is like the aliens show up and we can't really communicate with them, but this guy sneaks uh, onto their spaceship and they have this this book that that's like, to, it says to serve man. And so everybody's like, oh, cool. They're here to help us and like enlighten us, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out to be a cookbook. Uh, <laughs> cool. And apparently humans are just like especially tasty and rare. And, the universe. and this is how you serve I've not seen that one on a plate it's a good one that's tight anyway yeah they might be here to eat us and take our jobs uh, yes 100% uh, and or uh, I, this one I think is kind of interesting they they talk about unintentional harm as like an invasive species so like mm. their their unintentional harm would be they're like here to say what's up and interested in meeting us but also they bring smallpox biological exactly whatever shit from a faraway place um, they didn't wash their blankets before they put them on they the ship. They did not wash their alien blankets. Um, so, th- so those are the three scenarios that they break down. It's beneficial, neutral, and harmful. And obviously, we can kind of all like logistically figure those out. Is but I think scenario, it's an interesting breakdown. Is there a scenario where they don't care about humans and they're just here to talk to the dolphins? Uh, no, not not okay. in this. Um, I, I would maybe add that when the <laughs> UN like rewrites these. Would that be beneficial or neutral? <laughs> Probably neutral. Well, they might <laughs> they, like unite and take over. Yeah, I don't know, man. They were here for like a second, but they just been hanging out in the ocean. <laughs> like, they haven't talked to anybody yet since. Like, they don't come out. USOs. That's all they do. Um, so, if you guys are down, I, I they have a couple. They have quote immediate practical recommendations for humanity, which sounds very intense. <laughs> Everyone should have this like on their fridge, you know. <laughs> and and there are three related be to posted in a public place in the, within <laughs> yeah, the workplace, like in subways and stuff <laughs> like that. Just like. <laughs> Like that. I know you right were talking about the, the New York posting. subway, but for a second I thought about like the subway nope, sandwich. Both for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> subway, eat this. Eat this. Um so and 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 this is actually gonna probably help us too, because we've already talked about some of the stuff. We're gonna talk about more of this stuff. But um recommendation number one messages to extraterrestrials should be written cautiously. For example, prior messages we've sent, which we'll talk about in a second as well have included details of human biology, such as numbers 1 through 10 and the form and structure of our DNA. However, details about our biology, though seemingly harmless, may actually help ETI to cause us harm. A malicious ETI listener may use a message about human biology to design a potent biological weapon for use against Earth. Since these messages will ultimately be sent towards unknown ETI, we cannot know whether or not they will be received by malicious ETI, and therefore (laughs) caution is warranted. Maybe that's how the whole, like, abduction and anal probing thing started. Like, we sent out too much information, and ET were finally like, (laughs) we finally figured out where their buttholes are. (laughs) We we finally know where to put it. Um, So... So there's there's one thing which I, again like we've talked about the possibility of being like if we're gonna put stuff out there if if we're asking to be talked to we should like be aware of what we're Cover actually your asking for <laughs> Cover your- <laughs> uh, recommendation number two uh, avoid giving off the appearance of being a rapidly expansive civilization I actually find this kind of interesting how does one do that if an ETI perceives humanity as such they may be inclined to attempt a preemptive strike against us so as to prevent us from growing into a threat that extraterrestrial intelligence in other galaxies may fear 
an ecosystem value, valuing universalist ETI may also observe humanity's ecological destruction, destructive tendencies and may observe our tendencies and wipe out humanity in order to preserve the earth system as a whole. So they might actually like, if we, if we show them that we're like encompassing our own planet and looking to be expand further, they might see that as a threat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This like, that makes sense, but it's all predicated on us being able to communicate with them somehow. Like, try and describe that concept to a gorilla. Well, you know what I mean. Like, we can't communicate with most of the species on our own planet. But the, how but, would we con convey something like somewhat nuanced like that to an entirely different species? I think the idea would be more like um, we have policies. As like in the state of Minnesota, we have policies related to how many deer you can kill each year, depending on how the deer population is expanding in the state. You know, like we we but the see deer don't know about our policies, right? But but what do you, what they're saying is the more like the more we're like we are venturers into space and we are looking to land and populate Mars. If we actually are like showing off those sort of like communicative tendencies or but that's what i'm saying we're assuming it will be perceived in the way that humans would perceive it and we have no way of knowing I if that you. would be the case or i know not. exactly what you're saying like what we're putting out there is like so unlikely to even be understood that sure. this this these worries seem like a little bit silly somehow i get that i get that these are these are recommendations from two guys at penn state and, I'm not, I'm and not a couple of i just like i, I always wonder they like we, we have such an in, incredibly, like, within our really limited frame of reference, it makes sense. Yes. And that's all you can really plan for because that is our entire frame of reference. Right. But the odds that whatever we find would fit within that framework seem really small to me. I'm with that. I'm with that. Anyway. Final recommendation is that preparations for extraterrestrial encounters should consider the full breadth of possible encounter scenarios. Indeed, perhaps the central conclusion of this analysis presented here is that ETI contact could proceed in a wide range of ways, and it is inappropriate and inadequate to blindly assume that any one specific scenario would result from contact. Until such contact occurs, we simply do not know what would happen. Given the uncertainty, the broad scenario analysis presented here is an important step towards helping us think through and prepare for possible contact, which I think is actually maybe the most like sentient point of the entire piece, which is basically being like, we should just like chill the fuck out and figure this out. Cause we don't know how bad this could go. Yeah. Hey, or Ryan, this could go. have you seen into eternity? Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm like scared you know, to say, do you know about this dude? I, my brain started going in that direction. I looked over at what you were typing, and that's like my favorite I documentary. I couldn't remember the name of that's it. That's my favorite documentary ever, man. That was like, yeah, that's an excellent documentary, and I think I know where you you're going you with wanna this. You want to give a quick summary of the film? Oh, man. So Into Eternity? Yeah, yeah. I think it takes place in Finland? or uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right. Finland. In Finland. Yep. Uh, and they passed a law saying all nuclear waste that they create, they must also dispose of. Okay. And so... What? what well, go ahead. Never mind. Sorry. Um, so it's a film about them disposing of this waste. The, the problem is that waste cannot be or will not be safe for 100,000 years. Right. So, you know, at first 
at first glance, it's like, okay, that sounds sort of interesting or whatever. But it, you, what, what you, what's fascinating about the film is it like brings up all these questions about scale and perspective, perception, and uh, because what they start talking about like becomes very philosophical. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with this? Uh, do you do you bury it? And when you bury it, what do you do with it? Do you have a door that goes down to it? Do you cover it up? Do you let a forest grow over it? Do you make a a sign, I think they talk about, warning people away? Okay, you want to make a sign. We, what language do you write it in? You know, like, mm. because, and, and it, what it's addressing, I guess, is like, what the hell's going to be looking at this in 100,000 years? Right. I mean, if, if we found a 100,000-year-old archaeological site, we wouldn't be able to read anything that was there. We wouldn't be able to infer much of anything about that civilization or what they were doing or what the purpose of these structures. You know, like we don't know what a lot of ancient sites were even used for. Yeah. And if it's like a life or death situation, if you dig this up. Yeah. Like who knows? Like we don't have history recorded from 100,000 years ago. They're not going to know that oh, there was a civilization that used this specific type of energy and it's harmful and or this if was we, their language and whatever. If and, we came across this in some forest, like our society right now, we would 100% dig. We would open it up. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And so no matter what right. the sign said. And, you yeah, know, and like, so they get down to some like base level instinctual, like what is going to instill fear into humans in a way that's not going to go away in the next 100,000 years. But even that, to, like... To prevent people from wanting to access what is But even then, in. curiosity is going to get the better of you. If we found a 1,000-year-old site... Like, that, like, skull and that said, like, do not enter, we'd right. be like... Yeah, right. right, right. We're cracking that open immediately. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean... This isn't about into eternity, but that definitely gives but, some framework of like the. I see you. I, I finish my sentence. I well, guess, I only like, brought it up because we would have an extremely hard time communicating with ourselves a hundred thousand years from now. Mm-hmm. So then you take that to the universe is billions of years old. There could be a civilization that is not human, is very different from human, that is also millions or billions of years ahead or behind us, mm-hmm. and the odds that we would have. Any way of communicating with them just seems so incredibly small to me. Like, yeah, we we don't know that we could communicate with our own species over a hundred thousand years. You extrapolate that to a thousand times that, and a species that we can't even conceive of. There's no way we'd be able to like have a conversation with them and be like, "Oh yeah, we don't mean you harm. We're not expanding into the universe where we only kill seven deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, this is our DNA. Yeah, like, like yeah, none yeah. of that would make any sense. Here's a record that you can play, and it yeah. has frog sounds on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like none of that's gonna mean anything. Yeah. Uh speaking of which, uh, when we come back, we are gonna talk about the ways that we have sort of tried to communicate, or it seems to make sense to us to try to uh, to to talk to ET. Uh, drunk ET <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah in, in, in the variety of ways that our society has, has ventured into that possibility whether it be futile or not uh, we'll be right back with the Life Podcast we want to hear from you Send us a message, email hi, that's hi, at whatifpodcast.com. 
or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. Life does not stop and start at your convenience. You uh, yeah. piece of shit. We're back. It's the What It Podcast. Oh, boy. That was... Put your headphones on so you can hear the air horns. I don't want to hear the air horns. I'm so glad I had them off for the first run. Oh, boy. Well... Can we hear from E.T. again? I want to. I just want to hear from E.T. one more time. E.T., 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 be good. Oh, my God. I am really psyched to rewatch that movie. Uh, speaking of E.T., we're, uh, we're talking about uh, extraterrestrials today. More specifically, mm-hmm. what if we communicated with extraterrestrials? Not what if we found one in our backyard or we got yanked out of our bed and got an anal probe by one, but about the communication, the back and forth, the um, can you hear me now of... The alien world. Cool reference. Thanks, man. <laughs> it was both old and new based on the fact that they just resuscitated that dude from a life he of... Died? Uh, they, his career did <laughs> until oh. he got back into cell phone commercials. Um, so how we've been trying to talk to aliens for a minute. We have. Uh, what, what have we tried so far? Well, we have tried a lot of things. There's three. It's really helpful. I mean, it's true though. We've tried a lot of things. How how's the crop circle approach going? Is is that worked yet? No, have that's we the tri- aliens communicating with us? I was just gonna say, dude. Have we crop circled them? I don't think that. I've yeah. Been, I, I don't think that's normally how that phenomenon works. No, but people have definitely made crop circles in response. There's the one where like they made the big alien person that we decoded, and it maybe had DNA in it. So we made another one back to them that had our DNA encoded in it. Okay. All right, that could work. That could work. Come, They'd have, come into an alien podcast, They'd, not knowing about crop circles. They'd have to have a pretty, um, a pretty thorough telescope, or I yeah. guess if they visited us to put no, a crop circle down. No, they came here to make the crop circle. Obviously, they only communicate by bending shafts of wheat, so we right, tried that right. to communicate back with them. Right. That's, and uh, <laughs> now we know the secrets to building flying saucers. Now we know the secrets to bending more wheat. It was yeah, that exactly. easy. <laughs> wheat is actually very rare throughout the universe. Uh, right. <laughs> Kepler has detected exactly zero Grand, other planets that have wheat. Grand scheme, it's also detected zero other planets that has pretty much anything we have. Well, um, but outside of uh, outside of. Bending wheat, we've tried a bunch of things, mostly related to, um, well, I guess mostly related to, like, our traditional forms of communication. So, like, radio, audio, whatever. Um, And I guess all three of us actually have some version of audio or radio that we're going to, like, run down pretty quick. But ways that we've talked about, like, as we're talking about in the last segment, just, like, the fact that is this, does any of this shit work? Is it fucking valuable at all? My favorite way of trying to communicate with aliens is... uh, the do you have it up? Nineteen sixty nine, the Discovery. Discovery. No. It was the Discovery or Voyager. 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 Oh, Discovery Voyager. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Space Odyssey, and so I think every uh, spaceship is called Discovery. It should we're, be. We're talking about it the definitely Voyager. Should be yes, Voyager, Voyager one and yeah, yeah, Voyager yeah. two. Do you have it up? Can we play some of it? Uh, I don't, but you know, let's do it through the magic of editing. I can like skip these thirty seconds where I find it. <laughs> so Voyager one and Voyager two are like. Still flying straight on a space. That's awesome. Uh, do we know that, or we just? No, they for sure are. Yeah, yeah. But, we, but, we no, we we still have contact with one of them at least. Yep. It is. Uh, I saw a tweet today. Actually, it's. Uh, 
Please hold. <laughs> it's like 15. Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> continue. Please continue <laughs> holding. <laughs> but we, wait, so we lost, we lost well, contact we, with one. We could say now that there is a lot of interesting content out there about this. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not breaking this news to anyone. Radio Lab is a great mm-hmm. episode. Um, yeah, we don't about Voyager yes. one and two. Yes, we are also not claiming to be that episode. And if you haven't listened to that, you should literally turn off our podcast and go listen to that. And instead. also, like, prepare to ball your eyes out when Carl Sagan's widow starts Dude, talking about it. I I have like I have not cried on any other podcast before or after. And when there there is a moment in that podcast where I like I cried like. Yeah, no, it's like, impossible not to. Uh, Voyager is currently 11 billion miles from Earth and still going. Was this two? Uh, one. How do we know that? We still have radio we still, contact. Yeah, we it. still have contact with it. And it takes something, it's like, it takes like 15 hours, light hours or something to get back to us now. That was a tweet I saw earlier today that I couldn't find, but it's we still have radio contact with Voy- at least Voyager One, probably both. So, so it takes fifteen hours for us to get a radio signal to that thing and back. Mm-hmm. I think just or, in one direction, or in actually. one direction. Yeah. Okay, so thirty round trip, basically. Yeah. So, amongst uh, other other things on these spacecrafts, there's a golden record, um, and the reason in the records gold is because. Uh, in space, don't quote me on this, but um, gold has a shelf life of like a billion years or something like that, which sounds like a really long time. But as far as like space travel, especially going as slow as these two are going, it's not that fast hmm. or not that long. And um, on this record, Carl Sagan and his wife and probably a team of people, if I recall, um, were tasked with with uh, finding... 40 minutes of audio to fill this record up um, that best represented life on Earth. And I generally agree with you that if we ever did come into any sort of contact with extraterrestrials, like, it's very likely we would not, like, be able to, like, communicate on any sort of direct level with them. They probably don't own record players. They probably don't own record players. Um... But what I do like about this is like the, the, what, what am I looking for? The here? ethos of it. Yeah. Like, like the, the ethos of it, of... the, you know, the, the philosophical conundrum. Um, Maybe there's like an alien Bob Lazar out there who's tasked with reverse engineering a record player. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he gets, he gets this piece of, to him, what is alien equipment and goes like, oh my God, make this thing do a thing. And then he like finally figures it out and it's just some Chinese dude saying hi to him. <laughs> hey, that would be that would still be a, like a thorough accomplishment. So, yeah. I mean, it this the golden record is futile for sure, but it's also like I like the the logic game you play with it. Yeah, basically. it's a really good story too. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I and I and I feel you like the the sentiment of do even if you even if you and I'm sure Sagan himself probably realized that it was like relatively futile to like actually go. Someone is going to put on a pair of headphones, whatever that means, in space and like hear what I'm trying to say. He he probably knew that, but still, I think as somebody who like had a 
I mean, I don't want to speak for him and I don't know that much about him, but like had a pretty distinct belief in like both humanity and exploration and like the connection of exploration to humanity, like creating something that you feel like is representative of humanity in some capacity in any, maybe in any capacity is still like both an interesting and valuable exercise. Definitely. And he's answering, I mean, he's grappling with the same questions that we are right right now. So like on that, he didn't say like the record wasn't like, hi, we're from Earth. <laughs> Hello. I'm Carl Sagan. Hi, alien host friends. Of the cosmos. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, the cosmos. So it's 55, it's greetings from Earth in 55 different languages. Before you hit it, like, what are some, because I don't, I've listened to that episode a long time ago and I don't really remember, like, the high points. Like, what are, like, give me, like, rattle off a handful of things for me that you remember from, that were on the record that they put out. Yeah, cool way to interrupt me. <laughs> oh, I thought exactly you were going to ask Max oh. what it was. All right, my bad. I thought hey, you were going to stop describing that, so I'm going to ask Max to describe I that. I thought you were about to hit play on the thing, yeah. asshole. Well, what? So, what is it? Both of you, either of you, what? Like, what are the high points of that record? Because I don't I was remember. Just saying, bro. It's greetings from Earth in 55 different languages. That's how it opens. I'm listing the things <laughs> that are on. Just shut the fuck up for a second. Carry on. I'm listing the things that are on. The Carry record. on. <laughs> Greetings from Earth in 55 different languages. Okay. A bunch of different sounds from Earth. So, like, a tractor and a bus and a car and a train. Okay. And Morse code and a bunch of different animals. So, there's sheep and dogs mm. and uh, wind and rain and ocean sounds and mm. chimp chimpanzees, uh, heartbeat, laughter, footsteps, fire, uh, people using tools. So it's just all different things that might describe humanity, yeah. but also just our planet in general. So other animals and nature and our climate. And um, I think, there. oh, there's also some music on it. There's Beethoven's Yeah, knife. Beethoven, Bach. They put, uh, mm. there was some, who was the, there was like a blues artist on there too. There's a bunch of different kinds of music. Speech, animals, nature sounds. Sounds like a lot for 50 minutes. I guess they probably... Most of them are really short. Like, yeah. yeah, like the... Uh, I mean, the greetings are like a few seconds each. I'll play the uh, the Bengali greeting. Namaskar. Bishe Shanti Hook. That's two seconds. So apparently an alien is supposed to build a record player on a pair of headphones, hear that, and be like, Ah, uh, yes, human beings. Let me send them a message. Damn, that's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it should be more of like looked at as like a time capsule and like right. less like less like well, yeah. expecting something back necessarily. And or, there, yeah, there were or even expecting like a, a legitimate understanding of any of that. There were images carved into the surface of the record too, so it wasn't just the audio description. There mm. was uh, visual descriptions of like where we are. In our solar system. Uh, I kind of vaguely remember that. And some, like, uh, mathematical principles and sort of, like, what we look like as human beings. And so maybe some other, yeah, there you go. There's the we'll put that in the Voyager golden record. Yeah, see lots we'll put it in the show notes, it. too. I'm going I'm to go out on a limb and say that, like, even though I was just bashing the first uh, list of of suggestions of how to communicate with aliens, that, like... I feel like universally perhaps this analog process would be like attainable by anything that were to come 
so into contact with it. You know, more so than like a CD or something like that. Sure. Real quick before we, we jump into that, I meant to bring this up a minute ago. Have I told you guys my Carl Sagan journals story? No? Tell me. No, okay. I was going to say that's new. So a friend of mine used to work as a lawyer, an entertainment lawyer for Sony. And she represented Sony Pictures, who made the film Contact. After Carl Sagan died, because Carl Sagan wrote Contact. Did not know that. Did yeah. not know that. Really? No. Yeah. Wrote the script for Contact? Uh, he, was, he didn't write the screenplay, but he was like one of the writers of Contact. It was based on his work. Definitely going to rewatch The Contact. movie came out after he died, though. And so... Did he have his, like leukemia or something? I actually don't know what he died from. Okay. But his, his wife sued Sony after he died and after the oh. movie came out. So for what? Uh, if he was for a not writer. properly crediting him for his work on the film, okay, which hmm. then she would have been, she was the executor executor of his estate, would have money should have been coming her way that wasn't for his work on the film. Okay, anyway, she sues Sony Pictures. This woman I know is representing Sony in this case. Entered into evidence in this case are journals of Carl Sagan's because they were trying to see, like, okay, whoa, okay, did he have like dated journal entries where he had written out ideas, dialogue, concepts, whatever that made it into the movie that weren't credited to him, yeah, right. And but it, it was like tons of journals because he would write daily, mm-hmm. just like whatever was going through his head. And I guess they were like... Which was lit. <laughs> right. I guess there were tons of journal entries where he would just get super high and like write about space shit. Mm. And so there were like pages upon pages of like, he would start with a question of like, what if aliens evolved with wheels instead of feet? And then he would just go from there and write like rambly high Carl Sagan shit about aliens with Man. wheels. And it was her job for a couple of weeks to read, read this all shit. of this. Yeah. I wonder and had these dude. journals in her possession for like a couple weeks or something before going to trial. Man, she should have snapped all those. Right? Oh my Unfortunately, god! Unfortunately, this was in like you know mid nineties or whenever Contact came out. Yeah. So, but man, yeah. shit, That's that would have been that would have been worth taking like three hundred photographs and like keeping the negatives, and losing your job. <laughs> no, keeping <laughs> keeping the negatives somewhere and then leaking them like thirty years later. Yeah, and being like, now nah, we just. Just heads up, we have Carl Sagan's like journals out here. I guess that's hella but those, invasive. Those exist out, out there somewhere. And also, like Carl Sagan definitely liked smoking a lot of weed. Cool. Which hey. is not surprising. Good for him, man. What a cool dude. What a cool dude. He sounds like a good dude. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea that he wrote any part of that movie. Yeah. I don't know what his like official title was on the movie, but it was definitely based on his work. Word. So Carl and his wife, just to just to tie that back together. So- we, I can't remember her name. I can't remember it actually. It feels shitty to just keep calling her. <sighs> That's true. I want to say her yeah, first right. name is Jane for some reason. Do it. And and Drew. Dr- I actually don't uh, know how to say her last Druyan? name. D r u y a n. Druin. 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 I think. D r u y a n. Yeah. Druin. Andrewian. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay. 
So Carl Sagan and Andrian were the ones who curated the Golden Record, and and were the ones who were participating in this in this case that Spencer was talking about. So that's one attempt, I guess. Should we rattle off the other couple quick? Do you want to do you want to yeah. do you want to run through your uh, your attempt? Yeah, this the, one's for, this for, one's for weird the record, and quick. So for the record, these are not representative. I should say of like the best attempts out there. These are just some that have happened, right? And maybe the more entertaining ones. Yes. All right. Uh, 1986, a few years after the Voyager uh, probes had launched, Joe Davis, an artist and research affiliate at MIT, uh, became concerned that no image of human beings had been sent out into space that accurately represented details of human genitals or reproduction. So we had sent images of human beings out into space, but it was always like a line drawing or... Nowhere in They're any of these. Clothed. Right. Okay. So that if you were an alien race that found these images, you wouldn't have any insight into like the actual biology of humans or how we reproduced or any of that. This was concerning to Joe. I love that there's a dude named Joe who is like losing sleep. He's like, but the aliens haven't seen us naked yet. They haven't seen our dicks. They gotta look at our dicks. We so gotta they send know. some dick pics to the grays. <laughs> so Joe <laughs> Joe led a project. So here, here's the funny thing. He's, he's concerned that there are no images out here. This is his solution. He led a project to transmit the sounds of vaginal contractions towards neighboring star systems. The sounds? The sounds, not, not images. You would think like, okay. That's tasteful, I guess. <laughs> it's way less useful to, well, again, we're assuming that aliens are like us and can see and hear and whatever. So Joe. <laughs> he starts his project. To send the sounds of vaginal contractions to other star systems. So to get these sounds, he has to record vaginal contractions somehow. Yeah. So he contracts with some ballet dancers to somehow let them let him record their vaginas? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, I don't have details on how he did that. Yeah. You just kind of like. I, yeah, I was going to say. Put, like, I put a ask, mic up there and Google that shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so. It also seems extremely unbalanced to not be getting contractions of like a male uh, organ. Also, like what? How do right? the sounds of contractions help clue you into how people reproduce? Like, I don't, that doesn't seem very useful. I would agree with you. Anyway. So he was going to send these sounds out from MIT's uh, Millstone Hill radar to a couple different neighboring stars. Cool, cool. I, I like Joe. Joe was <laughs> Joe spent multiple days thinking this was a good uh, idea. He probably also spent a lot of MIT's money doing this. That's true. Uh, however, only a few minutes of footage, footage, a few minutes of audio was transmitted before the U.S. Air Force, which had jurisdiction over the facility, shut that shit down. <laughs> Joe! So. <laughs> Quit Santa Pussy in his face, Joe! Joe only got about three or four minutes of pussy sounds into the ether. Joe! <laughs> before the Air Force is like, hey man, that just cost us $10 million. Maybe don't. Uh, but. It's too much space pussy, Joe! <laughs> those few minutes actually did make it to at least two neighboring stars. By the mid-90s. So some alien potentially out there has encountered radio signals of the sounds of vaginal contraction. Yes. I also, just, it just real, seems just, really like... All right, go Real, real quick, the yep. last line of this article uh, is, 
it is somewhat unclear what sort of reply we should expect. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to say the least. Because if they're returning the favor, some alien is going to hear it and be like, tight, this mic's going up my butt and I'm going to send it back to the humans and they're going to know what that sounds like This is like how now. we do this? All right, this is how we do this. Let's do this. Like, it's not even, you would think of anything, maybe like recording the sound of people having sex or a baby being born. Or even, or like, I can, I, or I can see like very anatomically similar. Like, if you think about the idea that the anatomy of animals, however different intellectually we are from chimpanzees or ducks or whatever, like there are penises and vaginas on every species that are right. like basically Most. every species that exists in our world. So I would think like even, even if you're going for like the most common sense approach, you could be like, all right, well, some sort of like visual cue right. or whatever of male, female, whatever genitalia that would be like a cue, but the, the thing audio? goes in the hole regardless of what species. Yeah, and then like, hey, we do that too. Right. Do, you, do you guys do like right. a thing? All of our in animals do, do this thing. Right. What do you guys do to make more of your things? But audio of that just seems like that could be, I could also be like plunging a toilet. And Not that. a good use of donors' money. No. That's no. the thing. Like, if I heard that, I don't know, if, I don't think I'd be able to identify what it is. I don't, I sincerely doubt it. And I'm this a human me. being who has sex. You you don't have to you don't have to brag, bro. Okay, we get it. You you're like you, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, is that a NASA uh, SoundCloud? Joe well, Davis that was did not this a, wrong. That was not a NASA project. That was an MIT and U.S. Air Force. That project. doesn't sound like a NASA project, <laughs> right? Honestly. It so, sounds it sounds like Joe Davis pirating <laughs> some MIT time. Is what I'll, it sounds. Like. Maybe like on Kazaa, you could download that somewhere, but I, I couldn't find audio. LimeWire. Yeah, it's probably on LimeWire. Wow. Wow. Well. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we would do and what we should do as it relates to everything we've talked about so far, including kind of what we think we would and should put out there um, as far as it goes. Um, if we get to talk to uh, E.T., we'll be right back with the podcast. the what if podcast what do you guys think about what we could do or what we should do and also whether or not any of it matters you know like like the what if what if we could like is that even is it even a question that fully matters at the end of the day based on like what we do or don't know right now that's a lot of open-ended questions mm-hmm. garth mm-hmm. brooks box set <laughs> that's what i'm exclusively on that's it Ten CDs, hundred hundred sixty songs. I'm gonna put a discman in that in that bitch and just <laughs> ship it out away from Earth. The direction you have to go is like, what would we be stoked to find? You know, out there. Mm. I think a little anything, bit because though, I don't. Yeah, like literally anything would would be the most exciting thing we've ever done as a species. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think music would be would be a nice direction to go in because you're not going to like try to explain something too complicated this is where we are come help us or this is who we are this yeah. is like well and that also eliminates the problem of like 
we don't necessarily want anyone and everyone to know where to we show are. up. Yeah, right. That could be really bad for us as right. a, as a whole. Yeah, I do feel like music is a good place to start. Like I, when thinking about and prepping for this episode, I said this to Spencer earlier. Like I was thinking about stuff like like Claire de Lune. You know, like I know you're obviously joking about the Carth Brooks shit, but I'm like, I'm thinking about if a potentially friendly slash potentially fucking angry alien race were to encounter our music, like, what would we want them to hear, you know? Like, if they heard Tchaikovsky, would they be fucking terrified? Versus, like, hearing some, like, Debussy and being like, oh, that's much more, like, like, do our, do the emotions that we receive based on music translate to an alien form in any real capacity? What, like, what would, if it was purely up to you, like, if you were individually tasked with you got whatever a cubic foot to fill on on the voyager of like probe. vinyl what are you putting in there that the concept of of sharing different languages i think is really interesting especially like the vast 50 different languages and i don't know like what else you could do i guess you could write some sort of like some sort of like mission statement of earth and then have that set in a bunch of things but I do same to what you said, like, like the tonality, dialect, delivery, uh, inflection of a bunch of different languages, while none of them would be understandable to any sort of being that could pick up audio, would I still I think be both representative and interesting of like us as a species to be like we all said something or we kind of like you know united around a concept or something like that, and it's also just like who we are is, is like very much our language, especially when it comes to like actually communicating anything. I, I wonder if there's a level that's not like the visual or like oral representations of us, but more so like, could you put, could you put samples of different elements in like, would that give any more information if you got, you know, a shoebox that had 20 different, physical specimens from earth in it but then you go back to like well how long does that last but like if you got that record would the gold be just as interesting as the information that was That's on it That's a great it? question yeah you know would would yeah. 20 different elements that would last a million years be more useful and tell you more about our planet than like whatever we could inscribe on them or record on them somehow you're talking about like physical pieces of material mm -hmm. in a yeah i just think about like if we were to send a probe to another planet what would be the things that we would look man, for and it would start on the, a scientific level first man I, I like just like envisioning your idea of like taking like legitimately taking the periodic table of elements and creating a physical form of it like the size of the palm of my hand and putting a small version of each of the different elements into each of the little boxes like a pill like the little pill the right. weekly pill containers do one of those and just put that in there like, because the the fact that that made it to you shows an intelligence and an intention right you don't need the the artistic or the the lingual representations of us to know mm. that something intelligent got this to you right we built this, we sent it in a direction, there was intention behind what we put in it. Yeah. I think the, describing, like, the physical existence of our planet would probably be more useful than anything that we could do as humans and maybe be a little less, like, self-centered in terms of, like, well, humanity is the only thing on this planet. If you looked at this planet from, like, a, a macro level, 
humans are a very small part of what's happening on mm-hmm. it. I do feel like in some ways the audio is like, um, it's a little melodramatic. Like as much as I love it, as much as I love it, and I really do, like I, I think I think the exercise that Sagan and and went through was like really beautiful. And I think they actually did a really good job. Like the concepts of, of travel and machinery. Like if they have any concept of machinery, maybe the sound of machinery connects in some capacity. Like I think those are all, but it would be arriving to them on a machine. They would know inherently that we have technology and machinery because that's how the thing got to them. Sure. But it's a diversification of that understanding to understand that there's like a wide variety of, wouldn't any intelligent species be able to deduce that from the fact that we sent something out into space, though? I mean, I guess. What's the last line in that poem I sent you guys? Will you read that you poem really quick, poem? actually? Yeah, it's I a really you a poem, dude. Actually, I wrote it for you. I read, no, you didn't. I'll read it right now, actually. You have it? Yeah. Pull it up. You yeah, don't need cool. to read the whole poem. I think the last, the last paragraph is really in line with what you were just saying. Yeah, so the author is, uh, is Thomas Bergen who was a professor of, uh, of Romance Languages at Yale. I'll actually, I'll just rattle the whole thing off really quick. Um, it's pretty short. It's called, uh, it's called For a Space Prober. And this is on a satellite, I think. Yeah. It was inscribed, right, yes, on a satellite that went out there? Yes, inscribed on a satellite. Um, and you're right. I think this definitely goes in line with casting a line out there. Um. From time's obscure beginning, the Olympians have, moved by pity, anger, sometimes mirth, poured an abundant store of missiles down on the resigned, defenseless sons of Earth. Hailstones and chiding thunderclaps of Jove, remote directives from the constellations, I, the Celestials, have swooped down themselves, grim-bent on miracles or incarnations, Earth and her offspring patiently endured having no choice, and as the years rolled by, in trial and toil prepared their counter-strike, and now tis man who dares assault the sky. Fear not, immortals. We forgive your faults. And as we come to claim our promised place, aim only to repay the good you gave and warm with human love the chill of space. I do love that last paragraph. It goes back to the um, that idea of like just throwing something out there yep. and trying to give a gift back. All right. Well, shit. I think that's it for us. Uh, Max Atrillion, thanks for joining us on this sleety, snowy, icy night in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anytime, guys. Come back. We're going to, we have. I we hope have, it didn't get too like 2 a.m. Uh, like <laughs> radio station on in the Uber you get in. Hey, you're like, what I are hope you this, listening to? Oh, dude? man, like, I hope it is. That's I also hope, just kind of how we do things. It so is. I, I, hope, I wouldn't worry about it. I hope 2 a.m. Uber drivers are listening to us uh, talk about okay, it. Okay, actually, I do too now. That yeah. yeah. What if we communicate <laughs> That's the with, whole point of this shit. Yeah. yeah. What if we communicated with extraterrestrials? Uh, Max, thanks again, Spencer. Until next time. It's been beautiful. Until next time, this is the What If Podcast. We'll see you. All right, squad. Be safe. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast. For show notes, transcripts, and links from today's episodes, visit whatifpodcast.com.